Welcome to Podcast West Seattle. My name is Andrew. We are listening to Bird Bones, who performed at the Skylark's Wednesday night open mic last month. The Skylark hosts an open mic each Wednesday night where you can hear all sorts of great local acts. You can find Bird Bones on Instagram and Bandcamp. Search either site for Bird Bones Music. On this episode of Podcast West Seattle, we visit with photographer and longtime West Seattle personality, Patrick Robinson. Photography is about perspective and light, just like life. We stop by West Seattle's newest coffee shop, Youngstown Coffee. There was never a time when I didn't love who I was inside a coffee shop. We also take a look at some community services available, including the West Seattle Tool Library. Just acquired a new laser cutter, which is pretty exciting. This is Podcast West Seattle. With water on three sides and views of downtown and mountains, West Seattle is arguably one of the most photogenic neighborhoods in the city. I visited with a photographer who's been taking pictures on the peninsula for over 50 years. Now see, I'd frame that vertically, and I would put them at the very bottom of the frame, right? So you have a big sky. See what I mean? That is Patrick Robinson. We're standing on Loman Beach, watching the sunset. Patrick is giving me some pointers on how to take a good sunset picture. As I looked at it, I said, okay, this tidal pool or tide pool is particularly well-placed here at Loman Beach to pick up the reflection of the sky. So what I'm looking for is I'm looking looking for that. In recent years, Patrick's become a bit of a West Seattle Internet celebrity, posting pictures on the West Seattle Connection Facebook group and on his website, patrickrobinson.net, and other places. And for good reason. His pictures are consistently amazing. As you see it, this, this woman walking down the beach with her boy. That is a foreground object with the background of the ferry in the distance uh, out of focus. Sets the scene and creates a, a sense of depth. Photography is a 2D medium. These days, he's often referred to online as that guy that posts the cool West Seattle pictures. I wanted to know how Patrick Robinson got to where he is today. It turns out his story is the story of West Seattle's recent history. We had an office at 9811 17th Southwest in White Center since my dad bought the paper in 1952. The story of our evolving relationship with our media. Digital is great for all its virtues. There's something about appearing in print that has importance. And the story of a fellow West Seattleite watching the neighborhood change around us. I think we need to keep an eye on maintaining the character of the community. Patrick Robinson is an award-winning photographer, writer, media innovator, Emmy Award winner, and much more. He's also a West Seattle guy. That's the other aspect of this. It's incredibly fun to come down and just see people enjoying their lives, having a great time, just taking it in, just being being part of this scene. 
to me, this is the West Seattle's best beach. Standing on the beach with Patrick, it's clear how much he enjoys and cares for this community. My father, Jerry Robinson, uh, who bought the White Center News in 1952 and later acquired the other newspapers, uh, West Hill Herald and the Highline Times. My dad's influence was to infuse into us a sense of responsibility to the community. Patrick literally and figuratively grew up in a newspaper office. Type setting was done on this giant machine with lead that we would melt in a little pot-bellied stove in the back of the office, right? And so I worked there when I was a kid, when I was a boy, and so did my brothers. So we're all photographers, we're all writers, we're all reporters. As he got older and went off to college, Robinson Communications continued to grow. I had gotten out of college and I was working in Federal Way doing a, a variety of things. Um, I came to West Seattle proper in 1974 and they brought me in as a photographer for the Herald. I was working for uh, the editor, a, a fantastic human being named Gene Sweeney, and uh, they I would get there and they'd say, well, go out and cover this uh, this." Uh, Church Bazaar, give me a picture of that. We'll get a picture of this or that. I lived on Brandon Street at 42nd and Brandon. The apartment is still there. I lived in West Seattle. By that time, I was involved with my wonderful wife, Kim, and I met her in 1975, and we've been together ever since. We'd go down to the Seattle Center a lot, and spent time down there, and that was fun. We've uh, mourned the loss of the viaduct. She and I went down there just the other day to take some sunrise pictures of it that I've published in various places. Patrick continued to work for the family paper for several years, excelling as a photographer, an ad salesman, or whatever else the paper needed. Then in the early 80s, business took him in a different direction. He was an innovator all of his life. He bought the first offset press west of the Mississippi in 1957. He had some of the first fax machines ever made. They were made by Exxon. I'm not kidding, Exxon was in the, in the office machines business. Patrick's father, Jerry, was always looking to expand the business. We ran across a device called the Quantel Paint Box, $150,000 dedicated video painting system. And we built a business out of that, just around that device that we initially called Artronics. We took that down to 1921 Minor downtown, got into the television computer graphics business, which we later changed to uh, be called Digital Post and Graphics. And we built the very first completely all digital video editing system in the entire world here in Seattle. We did uh, work for every major agency you can think of, NBC Sports, MTV, uh, Joe Walter Thompson, uh, pretty majorly education in computer graphics and animation, and traveled all over the nation uh, to represent the company. During the process of our operation there, I managed to win a couple of Emmy Awards. Well, I keep those, uh, I was using them for a while as doorstops. <laughs> They're quite heavy, heavier than you think they are. Uh, but I keep them downstairs. Uh, it's funny because I somebody else made me a giant neon sign of my initials. Here, here's a gift for you. So I, I, that sits on top of that. And occasionally when my ego needs a boost, I go down and turn that on and go, 
Oh yes, oh yes. Pat myself in the back a few times, look at my Emmys, and, <laughs> and you think I'm joking. <laughs> as exciting as a time period as that was, it did not leave time for photography. I, I've done what I wanted to do with all that. So I really put down the camera, stopped, stopped taking pictures, and uh, really stopped actively shooting as a photographer for about 17 years. But uh, in 2004, uh, the newspaper said, hey, we need your help. So I came back to work uh, for the newspapers as a consultant first, and then they said, we need you to come and do this job. Uh, my wife went to Costco and she, she bought me a camera. She said, you know, you used to be a pretty good photographer. You won some awards doing this. We, I think you should take pictures again. I said, mm, okay. And then I started taking pictures more seriously for the paper. Back at our dusk photography session, Patrick is explaining how to be opportunistic in capturing what the universe is showing. It's not me doing anything except looking at the world and saying, how can I frame a, a scene out of the world to isolate it and share its beauty and show what it looks like? And that's what this is. That's all I'm really doing. Now, I'm, I do enhance the color slightly, but not much, a little bit. It's mostly just the elements in the world that you wouldn't see. Photography is about perspective and light, just like life. There are two or three tips to taking better pictures, and they are fill the frame, fill the frame, right? Look for the peak moment of action, right? Look for that decisive moment, as Henri Cartier-Bresson said, right? For me, it's look for the, the, the emotional resonance. Look for the thing that makes you feel something. It would seem that Patrick has a knack for finding that emotional resonance. And so I started taking pictures of sunsets, which, frankly, I got bored with in about 1972. But uh, I'd post them and then on Facebook, and people would say, uh, hey, you know, uh, I'm on chemotherapy. Not really help me. Or they'd say, oh, God, I was, I was really depressed. And I looked at your, your pictures and it made me feel better. I thought, wow, this is strange. And so I thought, all right, yeah, well, this isn't a bad gig. If I can make people feel good and help them and show the beauty of the community and, and what we have here, yeah, I'll do that. What the heck? For a guy who's bored with sunsets, he thinks about sunsets a lot. If you go to sunsetwx.com, that site will tell you the sunset will look like in any part of the United States. You can see where it is. Oh, it looks like Los Angeles has got a good one. So you can spend the, the five or ten minutes uh, enjoying it. Sunsets are very fleeting things, and each one's unique. He also thinks a lot about a newspaper industry that has found itself distanced from the way people consume news in 2019. How much do you value your time? And how do you choose to spend your time? And is news as entertainment something you want to spend your time doing? So as you're looking at 
at your at your phone or at your desktop computer, and, and you see a, a a bulletin come up that says, "Hey, there's a fire." But you you follow the updates on that fire for the next half hour. Okay, what well, turns out to be uh, a family that left some food on the stove. Why you need the, to inject that drama into your life, I don't understand. So you're watching it, and then they show you some laundry detergent or a car ad. So they keep you glued through the adrenaline, and you now are being sold something. That's the model, and that's how it's always worked. I think that has the potential to change, but what it has also done is with the arrival of uh, digital publishing and the lowering of barriers to entry, it's meant that everybody is telling you a story now. Everybody with the telephone can now go out and broadcast the world. Instant communication. It has, it's a two-edged sword. In print, you better get it right. The tradition in journalism is to ask three sources and confirm those sources. When you have that, then you tell the whole story. So journalism has changed at the community level and every level in between. As a longtime resident and savvy observer of culture, Patrick is concerned with some of the changes to West Seattle. Well, West Seattle still has the island mentality, the peninsula mentality, and largely because we have so many restaurants, so many cultural amenities, so, so much longevity and history and, and, and historical equity, if you will. In other words, the, the memory of all the people who live here, people tend to come and stay, where it's, it's mattered about your connections to the other people there. That's changing, and it's changing in a way that I think is not healthy. The old must be replaced with the new. I think we need to keep an eye on maintaining the character of the community, the scale of the community, the, the uh, emotional uh, background that the community has always provided. Uh, all those things are extremely important. I don't want to lose that, and I don't think anybody else in my Seattle does either. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a, a class, and I've taught many photographers in the past, but. I'm thinking about having a class of 10 or 15 people and then bring them down here and tell them these things and then go through it and say, okay, do what I just did with you. Hold the camera. Whatever the universe throws at him, you can bet Patrick Robinson will find the most interesting way to look at it. Just independently walking around waiting for a picture to show up, I walk out and I, I, I ask the universe or ask God, if you will, what are you going to show me? So as this goes down and I see this rock in the foreground and I see the tide pool reflecting the sky and the beautiful cloud formation, unique today. You'll never see a cloud formation exactly like this again. This is it today, unique today. But you have to look and be open to what's there. If you do that, it'll show itself. Thanks again to Patrick for spending so much time with me. The tide pool sunset shot described in that story is actually the cover art for this episode of Podcast West Seattle. You can see more Patrick Robinson photos and buy prints at patrickrobinson.net. You can also see Patrick's work at podcastwestseattle.com. All of the West Seattle pictures on the site are from Patrick Robinson. 
And of course, you can also find his work in the newspaper and online at westsideseattle.com. Next up, there's a new coffee shop in West Seattle. Youngstown Coffee is located at 5214 Del Ridge Way near the Brandon Street intersection. Hey, I'm Zoe. I'm the owner of Youngstown Coffee Co. over on Del Ridge. One thing to know about Zoe is that she's a master conversationalist yeah. engaging all of her customers in authentic conversation. Yeah. Do, you, do you get called off work? Or? Yeah. Perfect. It's a good excuse. I stopped by and talked to Zoe about location, coffee, and how Youngstown Coffee Company Um, came to be. I knew I wanted to open up in West Seattle. I've lived in West Seattle for five years. I've worked in West Seattle since I was 18. Um, I love the community over here, and I definitely want to make a community store. And I contacted the landlord, and it just so happened that he was planning on tearing down the rest of the building, but keeping the space, and it kind of felt really perfect. Um, I love the idea of keeping something that's been here for so long and like the building and the look amongst all the new structures going in. And I did not bring my wallet with me at all. So I know where you live. So my roaster is Victrola. Uh, they are out of, they have all of their stores over on Capitol Hill. Their roastery is up in Linwood, and they actually also own Whidbey Island Coffee. They are who I grew up drinking coffee on. I grew up in Capitol Hill, and their store on 15th, which was their original store, uh, that was the first place that I actually enjoyed a cup of coffee. Worked at Uptown intermittently, and then I finally really felt like I needed, I I worked a bunch of tech jobs and restaurant jobs and real estate and every industry in between, and I really could never find what um, was my true passion. But throughout it all, coffee was really the through line. There was never a time when I didn't love who I was inside a coffee shop. No matter where in the world I was or what I was doing or what mood I was in, the one place I always knew that I could feel my best self was in a coffee shop. And if you do what you love and you love what you do, it's not work. It's just living your best life. So I said, I'm going to open a coffee shop. Thanks, Zoe. Youngstown Coffee is open daily from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Now it's time to take a look at a couple of neighborhood happenings. First, I stopped by West Seattle Runner to talk to them about their weekly group runs. Uh, Tim McConnell, I'm the owner or co-owner of West Seattle Runner. My wife and I both own it, and we've been doing this for almost nine years. Um, we do weekly group runs of Wednesday and Saturday. Good evening. What distances do we have besides Get Fits Free and New? From new people to people training to for Boston, um, we do a couch to half marathon group that meets with this group as well, and that's to prepare them for a June half marathon, which there's three or four different options around here, and the group size ranges from 10 to 40, depending on the day and the weather. You know the group's going to be here Wednesday night, and you show up, and it forces you to go do whatever distance you want to do. So you can run 10 feet behind somebody for 10 miles and just know you're both in the group and you're both going to the same place, but you don't ever have to be social or you can meet new people from your neighborhood. Because it's not lit. Yeah, if you don't have a light, go to, down to Harbor, unless it's not lit, and then turn around when it's Got it? Yeah. Thanks, Tim. And finally on this episode, I dropped by the Seattle Tool Library to talk to Dan about what's available and when the tool library is open. This is Dan from the West Seattle Tool Library. 
we have been here for eight years now for the tool checkout and um, we're community supported uh, member funded operation we primarily concerned with home repair and yard work so we have all sorts of electrical tools no gas tools here and we are open five days a week now the weekends 11 to 4 and Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday night from 5 to 8 uh, we also have a shop space available that people come in and make sawdust and noise here. Designing my own in the cabinet pot holder, not pot, like skillet holder. Okay. But in the shop here, we are set up for most mostly woodworking. We just acquired a new laser cutter, which is pretty exciting. We're just uh, working on getting certification classes and just about every tool that you can imagine for woodworking. Thanks, Dan. Membership to the tool library is free with a suggested donation. Use of the shop is $10 an hour or $40 a week. You can visit them online at wstools.org for more information. That's all for this episode of Podcast West Seattle. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast. Until next time, here's more from Bird Bones. I'll make a prediction.